will drink the cup. His cup runneth over. We, we had someone in RCIA some years ago say, why do we say we'll drink the cup? We should, we should say we will drink from the cup. We will. <laughs> Who was it? I just had a conversation. I think it might have been one of my kids about eating a plate. She was pretty. I was, I was something about like, you know, eat the food on your plate. And she said, oh, I'm going to eat my plate. And then she, and it, that was weird. I will never say I will eat the plate. Why would but, I? But we do say drink the cup. And if your cup's <laughs> liquid, it's not a very good cup. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast, Michael. Uh, where yeah. we are dealing with puzzles. Puzzles? Yes, like how to drink the cup. I do like, oh. Oh, by the way, I didn't give my name. Oh, your father. I'm father. You, you forgot my name again. Fa- it's Father Herb. No, I was going to say, and then you started talking. I was just giving you space, letting you do your thing. Um, you, you know what? What? We we got to get our act together we, if we're if we're going to record what we're talking about. Here we are. Well, you said puzzles. I wanted to just a little side note. Uh, did you know there was there was an episode there was a segment about puzzles, like the world of puzzling, on um, a news program a couple of weeks ago. And did you know that there is a puzzle at the CIA headquarters? It's like outside in a garden um, that it has like four encrypted puzzles on it. It's like a sculpture outside that has like in gravings and stuff on it and if, if you can figure it out they work for the cia well it's only ever been there's like four sections and only one of them has ever been solved oh, it was really fascinating that, that is fat. and they talked they were talking about all sorts of puzzles like rubik's cubes and you know the wide world of puzzles but i thought this one was especially kind of cool that this is like outdoors in a garden and it's an encrypted message at the cia headquarters so you have to have clearance just even to get access to go in and see it is the CIA headquarters what they call the farm? I don't know. They've never given it. I don't have that kind of clearance. If, if you ever read, well, no, but if, <laughs> you, if you ever read uh, stories of international intrigue, yeah. Langley. Oh, yeah. That's, do they refer to that as the farm? I'm not sure. This sounds like a James Patterson novel. Oh, I don't read much James Patterson. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about something a little bit more substantial. Oh. <laughs> he, he's very light, very quick read. I don't know. That's the fun of it. Yeah. Hey, uh, back to the cups. We were talking about uh, cups drink, for drink the cup or so, drink from the cup or drink of the cup. So one of the things that COVID uh, took away was the ability for the people in the congregation and the assembly to drink uh, the, uh, of the cup to receive the Eucharist in both forms. And so for the last couple of weeks, those of you at mass may have noticed that we have some cups back. Uh, so I thought it might be helpful here on the podcast for you to at least explain okay. where where can people sit if they would like to receive from the cup. Okay, I'm going to do a little back background. Most of <laughs> sit us sit still, people. It's going to mo- most of us, including me. Yeah, most of us over a certain age received our first Holy Communion, and most of our life only from the host. Having the cup available for communion. Mm-hmm started officially in this country in this diocese around 1979 really it was done occasionally before that i remember in the seminary we would drink from the cup yeah and certainly uh, at some special occasions i was ordained in 1974 and at the cathedral they they had that as a, an option but it was generally now can i ask a question surely prior to that was it only the presiding priest that would drink from the cup or any concelebrating priest 
would as well. Well, again, before the Second Vatican Council, you did not have celebration. Oh, that's true. So it was just the priest, one priest. However, um, we've always said, and we continue to say, that if you receive from the cup or the host, it's it's all Jesus totally. It's not like you're you're not receiving the full fullness of communion. Yeah. However, being under both forms does uh, help and allow people to enter into the spirit and the fullness of the Last Supper a little bit more fully. Mm-hmm. So it was done on special occasions, and then eventually the guideline was that every parish should allow it at least at one Mass per week. And in our diocese, and I can't speak for the rest of the country, but almost every parish went to every Mass. Immediately? Immediately. Oh, wow. And almost every Mass, and maybe even weekday Masses, certainly the parishes where I was, that was the common, Mm -hmm. the common way of doing it. So with COVID, it was taken away. Uh, There were people who always chose not to. And we certainly noticed it during uh, the HIV thing in the early 1980s when there was a lot of fear there of how AIDS was being spread. Uh, We did not stop doing it, but some people backed off. Whenever there was a flu, if you remember the H1N1 flu, that's actually when we started using the sanitizer. I I remember that. X, X number of years ago. Yeah. Six or eight, ten years ago. I don't even remember anymore. And we never stopped using sanitizers. Um, but so some people have always felt comfortable. Some people have chosen not to. Mm-hmm. So we have reintroduced it now since the beginning of May, but only at two Masses, the 8.30 and the 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I fully believe we will be at all the Masses eventually. I just don't know when. Okay. And right now, inst- before we used to have 12 communion stations correct a host a couple stations yeah so there'd be virtually two for every every one of the six uh, host people right now we just have four and they're up front so if people want to drink from the cup they should be at one of those two masses in the center section front or uh front right or left so if you look at our altar, there's the sections immediately in front of the altar and then the, the one to the left and to the right. So, because I, honestly, I haven't paid attention because we're usually playing music. Is There's one cup at each host station in the front of the church? It's basically, yes. Okay, so there's, as long as you're like, sitting If in you're the coming front. to the host one, which is the priest, or host two, which is usually the deacon, and there's a, a cup for either, each of those. And then if you're coming to from the side... Near the statues, John the Twenty Third, or, or the Holy, Holy Family. Family. Yeah, there's there's a cup on either of those sides. Okay, as well. that's helpful. So if you would like to, you know where to sit now, uh, and of course, there's no obligation. It's just offered if it's something that you and choose. you know what it means a whole lot to some people. Others, sure, others are not comfortable at all with it, but for some, it's really uh, a major, major step forward for sure. them. And that's the beauty of freedom of the choice, right? Yeah, they can decide for themselves. All right, great. So here we are still in the Easter season, and we are approaching the fifth Sunday of Easter. Now, do you remember what I asked, the big question I asked you last week about the fourth Sunday when we were talking about Good Shepherd? I asked, why? Why Why is that included in Easter? Yes. Are you going to ask the same? I'm going to ask the same thing. It's a really, another another very powerful, another very short passage Mm -hmm. from John's Gospel. And after we read it, I'm going to ask you why. Okay, I'm prepared for the now, test. I allowed you to read the Good Shepherd part a week ago. 
Now shall I allow you to read? Would you please? Would you be so kind? I, I give you my permission, Father. Okay, this is chapter 13. Now I'll have to explain something about chapter 13 after after I read it. This sounds like a cliffhanger. Oh, it is. <laughs> the, the tension is building. Uh, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. When Judas had left them, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little while longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, what happens in chapter 13 of John's Gospel? What happens in chapter 14 of John's Gospel? Is this the farewell discourse? You're very good. I've, I've spent some time with you. Okay, chapter 14, chapter 15, chapter 16, chapter 17. If you can imagine, four chapters are inserted between the Last Supper yeah. and the actual Passion account where Jesus is arrested. Mm-hmm. It's called the Farewell Discourse. It's I always picture Jesus and his disciples sort of kicking back after the Last Supper, maybe yeah. smoking a cigar. <laughs> is that and, what they did? And Jesus is saying, okay. It, that's I've not a, how I pictured it, but I, I love it. I've got a few words to tell you before, before I leave. It's not good for singing, by the way, smoking. You should watch right. it. Yeah. Okay, so that's chapter 14. This is chapter 13, the end of chapter 13. So it's the end of the actual Last Supper. Which I think there was a good clue right at the beginning because the very first sentence of this when, passage. When Judas had left him, left them, he said, now is the Son of God man to be glorified. Right. Okay, so what this, this is one of those transition phrases, uh, transition passages. Mm-hmm. It's going from the Last Supper to the Farewell Discourse. It's setting the stage. But it sets the stage almost like a good overture does before a a musical. I love a good overture. An overture just tells you the melodies you're going to hear. I'm not a big fan of Andrew Lloyd Wright, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. It's because he stole your name. He stole my name and misspelled it. (laughs) Uh, I'm not a big fan of him, but one of the things he does very well, early in every show, Mm -hmm. he introduces the melody that's going to come back to be the big melody. The big song. Like in Evita, you know, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, mm-hmm. th- that li- that melody is used in the very opening part of the show. Just trickling it in there. Yeah. yeah. And you'll find that uh, in Cats, the song Memory shows up early on. Did you notice I do that sometimes at Mass? Oh, I noticed that. You do it very well. Do you? you, you yes, wow, I, you I, said I, something kind. Well, thank you. You know, it's it's May. <laughs> We're coming to your final discourse. Yeah, I'm coming to my final discourse. Uh, no, I, I do notice it, and I like it. It's very good. Well, sometimes for me, I just want perfect example was a couple of weeks ago for First Communion. We sang Come to the Banquet as the opening song, and I knew it was a brand new song, and I'm sure many parishes are not singing it yet. Uh, but I wanted to just get the melody into people's heads before Mass began. So I just quietly yeah. played a little bit of the refrain. It's it's like a little bit of subliminal messaging. Um, and I'm sure people that 
that know the song they said oh i recognize that or some people probably didn't even know it but hopefully that melody is just starting to get introduced yeah, to and people I, and i believe at one point you also played a little bit of uh, the melody of uh, simon son of john do you love me you know the one from the own we uh, did tend my sheep yeah tend my sheep the breakfast on the beach did i work that i in? think you you worked that in it as just a little melody at I one did, point i don't know if i did did you catch i did ode to joy on easter sunday oh yes of course i did yeah that one wasn't very subtle that was good i needed a little extra time you can never go wrong with beethoven i would agree oh really look we agree with beethoven. we're on the same okay he can't hear us what <laughs> <laughs> Keep oh, going. very good. Okay, so anyway, this is introducing the, the theme that's going to follow. So he says, you know, the Son of God is to be glorified. Okay, he's talking about the whole passion account and the resurrection. Mm -hmm. But then he goes on, I've got a new commandment. And that is what I said, that melody that's going to keep coming back. Love one another as I have loved you. As I have loved you, so you also should love one another. It's a beautiful line. Everybody loves that line until you ask the question. If we're supposed to love one another as Jesus has loved us, how has he loved us? To the point of death. Exactly. And then you say, well, I don't really have to go that far, do I? Well, he did. You know, Greater love than this is no one has than to lay down their life for their friends. Sure. Which is an ongoing theme in John's gospel. Mm -hmm. So here it is. And then when we get to the farewell discourse, which is a couple verses away, yeah. uh, Jesus is, is, okay, we're home free now. We know what we're talking about. Yeah. Love one another. I had a couple choose this passage for their wedding. Love one another as I've loved you. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's really beautiful. Uh, why? Why did you choose it? And they said, because that's what our, we want our married life to be all about. Not only to love one another, but as Christ has loved us. Isn't that cool that they were able to go that far? That is. That is great. Yeah. And you said, you graduate now. No. no. You, <laughs> I said, I'll be very excited to be present at your, your wedding. You passed the course. Yeah. And maybe, uh, I don't know if the disciples passed the course, but they were, they were hearing the message, and we have to hear it over and over. Here's our problem. We've had 2,000 years, not individually, but as a church, 2,000 years of hearing the same phrases Yeah. that we don't take it to heart anymore. Mm -hmm. We don't realize how profound it is. Love one another as I have loved you. Now, when he says, I give you a new commandment, shall we equate that with the commandments of, the Old Testament. You mean like the Ten, Ten Commandments? Not necessarily. Although, you know, there's also the passage, you know, what's the first commandment? You know, when the man comes up and says, teacher, what's the first commandment? He says, love love God first, love your neighbors yourself. Yeah. Uh, but see, I think we have to be careful. We think of commandment as the list of Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. But here it's more like a, a teacher would tell his students yeah, I don't know if you ever watched NCIS. No, I know it's one of your favorite shows, though. Well, yeah, it's it's lost a little bit of its pizzazz, but anyway, it, <laughs> he feels the same way about me, folks. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but in in the show, Gibbs had rules, and there were different rules. Yeah, and every so often, somebody quotes one of the rules, mm -hmm. and I think you can go online and you can look up all of the rules. Really? But they've somebody has taken the time to collect them from all the episodes. Yeah. 
But uh, so it's sort of like this would be along that, you know, I'm not giving you a new rule, but I'm giving you a new commandment. That. This is something to keep in mind. Keep this. This is the way you want to live your life. You know what that reminds me of? This just as a little aside, which we would never do on this podcast. We we don't go on tangents, do we? My daughter Emery got a new version. You you wouldn't you wouldn't think that they could keep reinventing Uno, but Uno just keeps coming out with new versions of itself. And we got a new version for her birthday called Uno Dare. So, you know, you generally where you have a wild card and you have to draw four or you have to draw right. two. Right. I haven't played Uno for years. Oh, you should come over and play with us. I, I played I played Uno when it was just Uno. It's well, <laughs> when the, well, it's it's more than just Uno now. But now this is called Uno Dare. So you can you can either um draw the cards or you can accept a dare that's listed on the card. So to say, you know, draw two or dare number 14. So there's a card that has all the rules of the dares on it that somebody is the keeper of the rules. And then they're just ridiculous things like you have to cry whenever somebody asks you a question for the rest of, you know, this round. You have to remember all the rules as you're playing. It's great. You should come over and, and try it sometime. I love that. What are some of the other dares? Uh, you have to talk like a baby or you have to... What were some of the other ones? You have to, um, you know, stand up in your chair and spin around every time somebody claps their hands. You know, just <laughs> just silly. You have to remember the rules as you go. Well, that would probably be very good for a first grader. Yeah, very fun. And pretty good for a 36-year-old, too, I must say. Uh, but you know what? Your daughter is 36 years old? No, I was... <laughs> oh, you're talking about yourself. Myself. Okay. Uh, luckily, and here's where I'm going to pull it back, God's rules aren't as complicated. See how I did that? Oh, yeah, but there is a dare element. And actually, even to love somebody is a dare. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you're taking a risk every time you are, because you're basically putting yourself out there. Yeah. To love somebody, you're basically saying, okay, I'm going to take the risk of it, you know, uh, accepting that I'm going to expend energy and my own heart on this other person. Mm-hmm. Could it come back and bite me? The answer is yes. Yeah. But I'll do it anyway. Well, there's a real vulnerability to it. Yeah, that's and a good word. We don't like to be vulnerable because it opens ourselves to easily being hurt or easily being ridiculed or whatever it may be. But even as I say that word and I look at the crucifix on the wall behind you, what bigger vulnerability is there to literally open your arms on a and be nailed to a cross? And when your arms are out, you can't quickly use them in self-defense like you put your hands out to catch yourself or you or put stop. your hands in front of you like if somebody is trying to hit or something you put your hand or even if you're falling you put your hands down to catch the fall yeah but your arms are nailed on either side outstretched yeah, yeah imagine what that must have felt like not just the pain but just the position itself yeah all right i have an um a question for you because i in some ways i feel like this is classic john oh john Classic John, where he keeps using the same words over and over again, and it's very easy just to tune it out because it gets complicated. That's true. And he's using... It always seems like double talk or... Yeah. Right. So he keeps using, in this passage, either glorified in past tense or glorify, right? Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him... God will also glorify him in himself, and God will glorify him at once. Yeah, so, you're right. He's, he's, he's saying it quite a bit. Right. 
Like you've lost me at this point. So my question is, let's define to be glorified or to glorify. Okay, are you asking me or can I turn it around to you? Well, I looked it up on Google and it's actually, it doesn't really give me a whole lot. The first definition of glorify is to praise and worship God and then in parentheses, God. Um, To acknowledge and reveal the majesty and splendor of God, but this is interesting, by one's own actions. Or second one, to describe or represent as admirable, especially unjustifiably. Well, I believe I would take some of those definitions and maybe expand on them. You glorify God as going beyond. You know, the the splendor of God, the majesty of God, the greatness of God. You glorify it by acknowledging it and knowing that it's beyond you. So I think to glorify God mm-hmm. is also to acknowledge our own non-glorified. Okay. Does that make some sense? That, I, I, yeah. Yeah. That we are, we are lesser than, and so we give glory to God. He must increase, I must decrease. Yeah. Also, John. Which also means we have to take ourselves out of the center. I always use the image of the concentric circles, like a target, mm-hmm. and who's in the center. And for lots of us, we've, we have ourselves in the center. Hello. You, you take yourself out of the center, right. and you put God in the center. Mm. That's why even like the, the monstrance that we use for benediction of the Blessed Sacrament or Eucharistic adoration, Yeah, you know, it's usually rather ornate and it's got like flames going out made of gold or maybe some uh, gems gemstones but in the center is the eucharist so the glory is to the center and not on the fringe Mm. all right friends so this week we will glorify god and we will love one another and by loving one another we glorify god oh there you go we should have just said that at the beginning amen All right, guys, take care. Have a great week. We'll see you at Mass this weekend.